Hello and welcome back to Sabbath School from Home, a podcast which is increasingly difficult to fit into the lives of those of us that enjoy recording it. So we're very grateful that you're um, still choosing to, to listen in. And um, again, for this episode, we've got uh, a smaller team of people and we're going to be trying to pull off a, a shorter episode just to fit it into the spaces that present themselves in our the logistics of our lives. I'm Lachlan and I'm looking forward to it. Yes, and likewise, I'm Luke. So, Luke, what we've got to do, uh, and actually there's some, it, it feels quite pleasant doing this, to be honest, because in the last two episodes, we've we've systematically actually read the entirety of Ephesians 1. What we're tasked with this week is reading the first half of Ephesians 2, the first 10 verses or so. Um, so we're really, uh, I think we're pretty much on track to, in, in a 13-week season, step systematically through the entire book of Ephesians, which will be super delightful. Um, so why don't we jump in and, and read these 10 verses uh, and then see if there's some thoughts that emerge. Mm, sounds good. Right, so this is Ephesians 2 uh, verses 1 to 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Right, well, this is a fairly succinct presentation of of an idea that I think is fairly central, I guess, to to modern Adventisms and to Protestant Christianity more broadly, um, the I mean, it's it's the detail that Martin Luther historically drew attention to, and, and other reformers. The salvation is through God's grace. In verse eight, God saved you by His grace. When you believed, mm. you can't take credit for this. You can't earn it. It's a gift. All of these things. Um, in that sense, there's the the first thing I notice here is that it's just not really controversial at all, is it? It's it's very very clear and succinct, and it's pretty well trodden territory. Well, it is, and it's one of those verses that make you wonder why the church has struggled with salvation by other things yeah indeed <laughs> um throughout throughout its long history and it has in many different versions of christianity struggle with it um because it is so straightforward and it's also not an obscure verse yes it's 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 new testament it's paul um and it's very very well known uh, anybody who's had a christian upbringing if if you said for by grace you have been saved, mm. could finish the sentence mm. through through faith. Um, it's very well-known verse. So why do we struggle so much with it, I wonder? I had exactly the same thought as you were reading through these verses, um, because it 
it just doesn't seem so two things it really doesn't seem so much here as if paul is even entertaining different ideas it doesn't sound like he's arguing it just sounds like he's reiterating mm. it, it, it's very it's very different to ephesians 1 mm. which had a more uh, when we discussed it last week you know it's sort of it's 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 much more of a, a teacherly yeah or a lecturing sort of tone whereas this is just a statement of fact yeah that's what it feels like it feels almost like well i'm just i'm sort of going to go over this just just for clarity just for re-emphasis um i know that you're all sort of on board that's the feeling that i get and yet you're you're so correct for i mean in adventist history and more broadly there there have been so many other ways of picturing this to do with you know um behaviors that will earn merit and favor of god and so many of these other sorts of pictures um yeah, pretty interesting. I, I'm finding myself fascinated. The, um, the lesson actually this week asks a question. Um, why do you think it is that Paul so frequently recalls the sinful past of his audience? Um, because if you look here, the first three verses here are clearly describing a fairly unsatisfactory state. Um, it opens, you are dead because of your disobedience. <laughs> um, and then confusingly in verse two despite him having declared them having having once been dead he says you used to live in sin like the rest of the world so somehow the deadness that he's describing is is synonymous yeah. with, with well, the, living the, 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 the translation that i read didn't actually use the word live right said you once walked ah in sin. okay yeah okay. the trespasses and sins in which you once walked yeah yeah um, it also it also uses the term following the prince of the power of the air, which is not in other translations of the theme. No, well, I'm I'm looking tonight at the New Living Translation, which which I recognise is a little bit more um, interpretive on the spectrum of translations through through to sort of slightly more paraphrases and so on. Um, it renders that as the commander of the powers in the unseen world. So air being sort of the the unseen world, I guess, trying to evoke the idea of the, you know, sort of a spiritual realm. Um, perhaps that's an interesting way to take it. But in any case, by the time you get to the end of verse three, um, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. And then what was what was the phrasing that that you read? Um, subject to God's wrath or? Um, were by nature children of wrath. Children of wrath. The rest of mankind. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like that's a phrase that you could try and unpack for quite a long yeah. time. What, what does it mean to be children of wrath? I, I, we're both taking Sabbath school lessons on this in, in two days time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a question I want to throw into the, into the mix. Because um, it's easy to gloss over that. Yeah, but and th- I mean, I think this is this is something that I struggle with more with the New Testament than the Old. I find the Old Testament relatively easy to understand, at least some part of its meaning. Mm. But there's quite a lot of imagery, particularly imagery in the New Testament, that I I just don't really know what it's talking about or referring to, and it's tempting to skip over it. But maybe we shouldn't. Yeah. So much. It's an interesting observation because I think many of us feel instinctively slightly more culturally close to the New Testament era than the um, than the Old Testament era. I mean, we New Testament era is a is a world post sacrificial 
rituals, um, whereas the Old Testament is a world embedded in sacrificial rituals. That's just one of a number of aspects where I think we probably identify in some ways more. But I think you're right. I think some of the almost because the culture divide is even bigger as we cross through to the Old Testament, we go out of our way to remember to account for that, and we thus find it slightly easier to understand what they're yeah. talking about. In the New Testament, it's so easy to accidentally feel like Paul was writing to, you know, us at mm. Sabbath School from Home, <laughs> and we yes. forget uh, to acknowledge the cultural gap uh, that exists. I, I noticed that um, the, the Sabbath School lesson, anyway, goes out of its way to emphasize that, <laughs> that, 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 that Paul is talking to us, and this is not just oh. uh, about the... The, the the local cultural context so con- contradicting you this well that <laughs> um but well I, I think there's probably a balance yeah i mean somewhere in there. so one thing but, that i will totally agree with um is that whatever is being described here in these opening verses of ephesians 2 it does seem to me that it's a it's describing something that is in the mind of paul a, a universal, a commonality mm. across human experience. So, yeah, he doesn't explain any of this, which suggests that, as you said, you know, there were, it, it didn't need explaining. The audience knew what he was talking yeah. about. Yeah, I mean, if you ask me, and uh, so, um, I mean, the children of children of wrath. Um, I mean, to me, it sounds like it. It's describing a an inherited condition. Um, in other words, it's describing something that um, is is just the way we are rather than being some sort of cunning plan or or conscious choice or whatever it might be the the what is it the walking in well, it sin says by nature yeah it seems to me to be a figure of saying um this whole idea of kind of by nature we're, we we um, succumb I mean, to these to these this state of sin one one of the ways i might try and read that read that phrase is say okay Children of wrath, that wrath is anger. So, children of anger, born from anger. Mm. So, by nature, anger is a sin. So, by nature, sinful. Yeah. But, you know, you could interpret it that way, but I don't know if that's valid. Um, That's me just replacing words until it gets to a sentence that I can pass um, in P A R S E. Yeah. Yeah. In my mind. Well, um, I think that's but 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 that that would make sense. Like the rest of mankind, so all of mankind is sinful by nature. Yeah, um, that is a Christian belief that we are all on board with and kind of understand the meaning of. Yeah, yeah, and it seems to me to be emphasized or to be further emphasized by where Paul goes next, because what Paul then in the next, um, you know, four or five verses sort of argues is, despite this. Despite us being inherently and inescapably and along with everyone else in this state that is distant from God, God has mercy and not because we had done anything special to stand out or deserve it, but simply because of God's love for us, the um, he, he stepped in and made a difference. Um, so there's this, that seems to me the, to be the broader strokes. Um, Paul is kind of saying, look, the um, inherently distant, brought close not by our actions, but rather by God's. And there's a few interesting phrases that jump in there. Uh, in verse 6, God raised us from the dead along with Christ, uh, seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Um, <laughs> the lesson actually asks a good question here. In what sense 
does God do this and perhaps when? Um, so a really simple answer might be, oh, um, this is something that we yet to experience that's part of the uh, resur- the post-death experience, the resurrection experience. Um, that That is perhaps... Well- a a bit of a default answer. I don't feel like that's quite satisfactory. I don't feel like that's what he's saying. Well, for one thing, he's using the wrong tense. <laughs> okay. Yes. If that's what he's saying, because he's using past tense. Yes. Yes. Because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive together with Christ, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ, so that in the coming ages, in the future, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us. Mm. So it's because things in the future, but he's already done it as of the time of Paul's writing this letter. Right. Uh, at least that's how it's been translated. I agree um, with you. So I feel like it may have that meaning, but it, it, it can't only have that meaning. It must also be referring to some process or event that has occurred and is occurring. Mm. I, I mean, I think... In the deepest essence here, there is actually fundamental mystery. We've explored in previous episodes of the podcast various different ideas of trying to make sense of and put put an understanding around the the whole idea of the the incarnation of God in the person of Jesus Christ and what that means and how that works in us in some sense. Um, I find myself inherently skeptical of and resistant to anything that attempts to present this as being somehow simple or obvious oh it's it's a it it, it, what god did on the cross was just this or this um it it seems to me almost certainly that something as as thought-provoking and profound as that probably is difficult to describe and and thus any neat and simple answers uh, uh perhaps wrong is stating it too extremely but 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 unhelpful and incomplete um so I don't really have, um, you know, anything clever really to add there. I, I think you're right. It, it's definitely describing it has to be, or maybe I'll say it that differently. It's most useful, I think, to ponder that past tense. And rather than just to sort of say, oh, I understand that it's something yet to happen, to really grapple with the idea of, okay, in what I'm going to ponder that a bit and explore that a bit um, muse on that discuss and converse on that and and this is something that i'm encouraging our listeners to do um with the i was going to blame the time limits with with the time restrictions we have at our end we probably can't discuss until we reach the answer but frankly it might not be the time limit it may just simply be like 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 we've got a great track record of discussing till we reach the answer yeah i know i i i <laughs> track record it may simply be something to which we can't um put a, a nice neat packaged recorded answer you know verse nine no one may boast which is good um but i think we've talked on the podcast before um that there is a lot of value in pondering the question Mm. and it's not about finding the answer yes yes it is about um and there is a bible verse to support this that i'm blanking on exactly what it is um but but something about where, where where people put their their attention might not even be or is that one about storing things in heaven mm, mm. Um, but you know it's about where, where you put your attention that's where your heart is yeah you know and pondering these questions is a is a way of putting our heart 
in something greater than ourselves. Yeah. You know, what, what separates a, you know, according to these verses, what separate, you know, one to 10 Ephesians two, what separates a Christian from somebody who's not a Christian? It's not their nature mm. because everybody has sinful. And it's not that the Christians have been given the gift from God and the others haven't because, and I think Ephesians three makes it quite clear. The gift is available to everyone. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and verse 9 here in Ephesians 2, salvation is not a reward for any particular good thing that a Christian may have done. So that's not the distinction. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it comes back to the, to the state of, of, do, of sort of conscious acknowledgement of this fact about life versus not. Um, and I actually really like the, the imagery in verse 10 uh, in the New Living Translation, it's rendered really nicely. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So it's it's for a whole lot of nice things there. The masterpiece mm. and created anew. This I think is some of the more most powerful and most useful ideas of of you know insisting on on identifying God as Creator, and some of the things that have been argued ad nauseum uh you know under that banner i think are perhaps slightly less fruitful than than this recognition if god is creator then he can he can make of us a masterpiece yeah um, well i think we've said it before the important part about god as creator is not the mechanism by which he created mm. but the fact that he is good yes because if he wasn't good yeah <laughs> uh, but uh, but created the world in six days, yeah. literally. Uh, that would still be a really bad scenario. Yeah, yeah. And then the way that this the way that this verse finishes, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The preceding nine verses have all been about how we don't intrinsically do good things, and even despite not having done enough good things to earn favor, God has God has in his in his mercy and grace basically changed that situation. So. Oh, uh, this is, you know, the, the 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 little trite sort of observation that always comes up in this discussion about faith, faith versus works. Oh, so if it's all by faith and by God's grace, then I don't have to worry about what I'm doing. Well, that's not really the picture here. The picture here is is more interesting than that. It, if we're if we're wanting to align with this gift, um, then we are we are submitting to become God's masterpiece. He's creating us anew, and if he's creating us, what does God do? What, do, what does anyone do when they create? They, they make things in their image, right? They impart a part of themselves in, into the, the art or music or song or literature or whatever that they're creating. Um, and when God does impart that, then there has been this change of state instigated by God that means we can do good things that that ending verse so we can do the good things god has planned for us long ago is in direct contrast to the start of chapter two here where we read where we read that um we, we were children of wrath not not doing good things uh, yeah and i mean i think that's one of one of the distinctions that ephesians kind of makes clear is i mean it's 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 the faith first mm. Um, and the faith is the bit that's connected to salvation um, and not the works, but the the works are there also. And one of the things that, one of the understandings you have as a Christian is that we should try to do good things. Yeah. And Christianity is not the only belief system or 
mm. moral philosophy that holds that. Um, but you, I think, you can't be a Christian. You call yourself one, obviously, but you can't. You can't be a Christian if you don't have the fundamental understanding that we're supposed to be good mm. and do good things, and therefore you want to consider well, what does it mean to be good and what are good things. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, how do I follow the law? You know, um, which is the most important law? Um, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. Right? It's what does that mean? How do I do that? You know, these are the things that you think about as a Christian. If you, if your entire life is just entirely revolving around what is of most benefit to me mm. and how do I get what I want, then I think that's what Ephesians describes as, as, as being dead yeah. in trespasses and sins. Yeah. You know? Um, there is no. I'm trying to look for the word in 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 the verses. Um, there is no way to the, the the good works that 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 God prepared for us. Yes, I don't know. I'm 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 struggling with it a bit. Um, yeah. Well, I, I think I think that we may have to um, leave that struggle partly unresolved. I would encourage our our listeners to. Um, to continue to think about this because this is you know i i find it most helpful to think of the the arguments that many of us have grown up listening to about you know faith versus works and how does salvation work um as basically being on a line and the real answer is you know a line on the ground you know which side of the line or which position along the line do you stand on what if the real interesting answer, the real truth to explore, doesn't lie on the ground at all, but is is up on the tabletop? You know, there's something off the line. Um, I find that helpful because it frees me up to think maybe it's possible to be identifying the value of, of good works while also standing with, you know, some of those reformers and being staunchly defendant of, of grace alone uh, through faith. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think that this is unique because I think many, many, um, you know, Christian people and Christian thinkers have, have arrived at, at similar sorts of conclusions. It doesn't have to be an either or type picture and any presentation of it in that nature is almost certainly to be an, a massive oversimplification and probably somewhat of a distraction. Mm. So I propose that we, we wrap it up there. I think we've got a few questions that, that the anyone listening might want to ponder um that that phrase uh, children of wrath uh in verse three um continue to think on that um the the what does it mean for paul to write that god has raised us from the dead along with christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms and it is used in the past tense it's written in the past tense there so that's something to ponder i encourage the, you as a listener to um continue to think about that let it roll around in your mind and and um maybe it's it's something on which to muse and meditate uh, this week and then the i think most exciting part of this was verse 10 uh, in what sense uh, are we uh, god's masterpiece and 
if being God's masterpiece means that he is enabling us to do good things that he would love for us to do, then what are some of those good things that we can find to do? What what does the definition of, of being saved mm. by faith, yeah. according to Ephesians 2, actually look like? Yeah, yeah. Look, rather than trying to answer those questions, we're going to leave you hanging with them. Um, and maybe that's even more stimulating for for you and for your thoughts. So um, I, I encourage you, if you are having interesting thoughts in those directions, uh, if you would like to write to us, sabbathschoolfromhome at gmail.com, we're more than happy to hear. Um, we're really excited to hear what you might think. But there's one other thing. You may find that rather than writing an email to strangers in a podcast, you might find it even more valuable to just find a community of, of friends or of people with whom you might discuss some of these ideas. Um, I think that that's, uh, well, that the appeal of that activity is what keeps bringing us back to, to do these podcasts. And I think it is probably one of the great ways to, to seek truth and wisdom and, in, um, and light. So um, there's a couple of challenges. We'll leave you with those and we look forward to you joining us next week.